you would see a lot of girls would escape from their families just because the family environment is so rigid so conservative that they cannot even share anything with their parents you know what are their problems what they want to do how they feel they are just so scared to do anything like that and that is causing a lot more problems you know Welcome to Atomic Moms, a weekly parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our little ones and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and I celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and caregivers all over the world in order to share their unique stories and the universal experience of raising a child. You can find us on our website, AtomicMoms.com, on social media, and also on iTunes. Subscribe so you can get a new episode every week. Armed with a squash racket and enormous will, Maria Torpakai has risen from the turmoil of tribal life in Pakistan to become not only a world-class athlete, but a true inspiration, a pioneer for millions of other women struggling to pave their own paths to autonomy, fulfillment, and genuine personhood. Haled Hosseini, number one New York Times bestselling author of The Kite Runner and A Thousand Splendid Sons. In A Different Kind of Daughter, The Girl Who Hid from the Taliban in Plain Sight, written by Maria Torpakai with Catherine Holstein, we meet Maria as a young girl in Waziristan, Pakistan, what she later calls the hub of the Taliban. It's where women are not allowed to travel outside their homes without an escort, where education is discouraged and burqas are expected, and where being a young bride is a given. She grew up in a place where it is not all that shocking for a daughter to be stoned to death in public by her own father. By age four, Maria had burned all of her dresses and started wearing her brother's clothes. Her father nicknamed Maria Genghis Khan so that she could play freely outside and play sports. Her parents knew that each of their children had gifts within them, and it was their job to help them fulfill their life's purpose, no matter the cultural norms or the threats from extremists. At age 12, still passing as a boy, Maria won a weightlifting championship. From there, she began to play squash as a girl, which eventually led to her mentorship under international squash champion Jonathan Power, whose racket she was given when she first started playing. She currently lives in exile in Canada. Meryl Streep recently invited her to speak at the 2016 Women in the World Summit. And today, Maria is on Atomic Moms. To illustrate that this isn't only the story of one exceptional daughter, but that these parents helped each child find their own unique voice, I'm going to tell you a tiny bit about Maria's sister. She had dreams of being the Secretary General of the United Nations, and so her father would drive her across the country to speech and debate competitions, and she is now a member of the National Assembly of Pakistan. Maria's mother continues to work as a school principal, traveling the dangerous countryside to recruit girls to her school. And when she was growing up, Maria's father, a professor, and her siblings, they would pick up the slack and do chores for their working mother. This is unheard of in the region. I feel like it's pretty rare even down the street. I met Maria face-to-face after our phone interview at a talk and book signing she was giving. And when I walked into the bookshop, I heard a familiar voice singing over the speakers. You know I'm always looking for little signs that I'm on the right path. And the album playing was The Goat Rodeo Sessions, which is a collaborative album with Yo-Yo Ma and other insanely talented musicians. And the voice singing was Chris Thiele, my best friend's sweet, incredibly dear husband. 
And you all know Claire Coffey from her multiple episodes on the podcast. So this is her baby's daddy. And whenever I'm feeling creatively burnt out or need inspiration, I turn on Chris Thiele's music. Actually, Chris introduced me to Jeremy Turner, who composed our new Atomic Mom song. So when I walked into that bookshop, Chris was singing a beautiful song called Here and Heaven. It was like the universe was telling me I was in the right place. So I told Maria how my daughter likes to climb to the tallest point at the park, how she jumps in the water and goes under without knowing how to swim, how she is so physical and tenacious and determined, and how she fights with the boys, too. Of course, she's only two and a half. But telling Maria this, I noticed what a good listener she was, how connected. There's a sparkle in her eye, and it meant so much to me when she signed her book to my daughter. In her speech at the bookshop, Maria scared the hell out of me. She does not shy away from the bloodshed and the destruction, how bad it is. But she is also so full of hope. And I stupidly raised my hand and said, I fell in love with your entire family in this book, and you have made this region of the world personal for me in your storytelling. What can I do to help your mother's mission of helping children? And she looked at me and she said, every little bit helps. Everything is good. And I said, no, no, but come on, what can I really do to help? Because it feels like there is this like wall up, like there's no way. Like, what, what do I do? And she stared at me and she said, you can come to Pakistan. I will take you to Pakistan. And everyone in the bookshop was like, oh, this just got good. <laughs> and I was like, but Maria, how are you going to take me to Pakistan? I just sat here for 30 minutes and listened to how dangerous it is. She is working with a foundation, and she has dreams of starting a school and of bringing a sports center to the region so that children can learn sports. And she said, tell me what you are good at, because we need that. So I've given her my personal information, and we'll see what happens. Um, the idea of me going to Pakistan kind of feels like a... Um, it feels like a rejected sequel to Legally Blonde. Like, Legally Blonde goes to Pakistan. I mean, <laughs> hey, anything's possible. Uh, and I really do want to help. I work really hard on this podcast, and I've never been prouder of anything in my life than to have created a platform from which to share Maria's message of hope, faith, and sheer determination. And I want to thank all the listeners who have reached out saying how much meaning this podcast brings to their lives. And the best way I can say thank you to them, it's all you, is by sharing this episode. I'll be right back with my phone interview with Maria Torpakai. Maria, I have to start off by telling you that my Mother's Day present to myself was finishing your memoir. I was blown away by it, and I... I can't wait to meet you tonight and to have you sign a copy of your memoir for my daughter. She's two and a half years old now. Oh, that's cute. Because uh, you're an incredible mentor to women all over the world. That's so cute. That's very kind. And, you know, uh, your, your daughter is two and a half years old. so <laughs> She's got a while. Right. I wanted to ask you, when you first sign up for squash with your father... And they ask for your birth certificate. Yeah. 
and you you look at your father and he looks at you and you know that in order to play you're going to have to come clean and admit that you're a girl that first day of practice going as maria being you know admitting that female part of yourself you write that it didn't occur to me to change a single physical thing about myself the acceptance of my family meant that i didn't have to not for them and not for anyone else so I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners who are our parents all over the world what that kind of acceptance looked like in your family growing up. Well, the thing is that my father believes that, you know, you live once and you should live for yourself in, in that sense that you fully enjoy your life and you have to discover all those talents that are hidden inside you, that are gifted from God. And no one, has, no one should be uh, forcing you to, 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 to not discover them or, to, or stopping you from that. So my father said, it should be very, he provided us a very natural environment. And he was very practical. He was not just a man of words, but he's more a man of, like, he's a very practical man. So I give you a few more stories in a way that he wanted us to know how the society works. So sometimes he would take us to the market, me and my brothers. My sister was young, and uh, she's the oldest one, but she, when we were all young, she couldn't leave the house when she was eight because she was a little feminine, but I, I was more stronger and I could actually uh, camouflage in, those, in that society as a boy, as Genghis Khan. So when, when my father t used to take me and my brothers to the market and he would actually sit by the men and interview them and l tell us to you know, ask them questions, so there would be a drug addict and we would ask them questions, why are you, why are you taking drugs? And, and then he would tell the story and my father would give some, some fruits or some, you know, he would buy them some food. But then he would take us to some uh, guy who is uh, working there, uh, you know, in, in some shop or, you know, uh, some, some guy outside, you know, who are selling stuff. And he would ask them that why you didn't get education and why this happening and they would tell the story. And then he would also explain how, you know, uh, you see all the women and then he would see that, you know, these are human beings and they are covered, like fully covered, they even can't see anything, you know. And they are just like, you know, they have, they have brain, they can think, they can, they know what's right and wrong. We just need to trust them. So my, in my family, my father was our friend, my mom is, uh, was our friend. We never hid anything from our father. Anything happened or anything, you know, uh, we wanted to do, we just told our father. And that is because we had so much closeness in our family that we were never shy or never hesitated from, uh, from our parents, you know, and from our father. Being a daughter, I explained everything, any problem I had. And that kind of freedom is leading us towards finding ourselves and also being true to our culture and true to our father and you know i live in canada 
I've never been to a club. I have never been to, uh, I, I never tried alcohol. And it's, it's not that my father did not, uh, my father uh, didn't permit it or he um, he's against that. He's so, he says do at home as Romans do. But the thing is, my culture, you know, I, 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 my father lives there and we want to work for the culture. And the thing is that, you know, I want to show loyalty. And I, my father is so loving that I just don't feel like, you know, uh, the, uh, the thing that I just, just doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't make sense to me in a way. Like, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, if it's not doing anything good to me, so it's, it doesn't matter. Right. I think it's so beautiful that your parents, like, you, you know, especially coming from such a c incredibly conservative country, that they were able to trust that you would do the right thing, that they didn't need to control you. You would see a lot of girls would escape from their families just because the family situation, the family environment is so rigid, so conservative that they cannot even share anything with their parents. You know, what are their problems, what they want to do, how they feel. They're just so scared to do anything like that. And, and that is causing a lot more problems, you know, health problems too. And also the girls, if they find a way, they will es they escape, you know. But the thing is, like, one day my father came and to me and my sister, and he asked us that, uh, do you like someone? And if you like someone, tell me, you know, I can ask them for your for, for marriage, you know. And if you do not like someone and you want to marry, trust me, I'll find a very handsome guy. That's, <laughs> that's such a loving, such a loving father we have. Yes. And he, he has no problem with like, you know, if I like someone anywhere in the world or anyone, he would be always very accepting. And that kind of, I go to my father first and ask him, like, I feel very proud and I feel very happy when I ask him, uh, his his advice because I trust him and he trusts me and that's the beauty of the environment he provided at home. It's a kind of closeness and friendship. What would you say to little girls out there who feel like they're different from everybody else but haven't yet found the thing that they're really good at? What would you say to those girls? I believe everyone is different. Everyone is unique and special. No one is less than anyone else. Like we are, we are so good. All of us, we have so much good in us and good qualities. And we have gifts who are hidden inside us. The thing is, there is instinct, instinct inside us that is telling us what to do. And we have to hear that voices, listen to those voices that is coming from inside. That is... That is from God. And if we control that, if we want to uh, sup suppress, you would say, like, you know, uh, you want to hide your voice, then it's causing you problem because that is, that is dangerous. You have to speak up. You have to say what you want to do, how you feel. And the, if you don't, if you lose in, in sports, you know, uh, you have to try, and that is in the life too. You you know, if you in in life, if you even without 
uh, um, even even before asking, you tell yourself that you know no no one will listen to you or you know this thing is gonna happen. So I think do not listen to those fears that coming to your brain. Just be brave. Listen to the first voice that comes from your heart and just go for it. I love that, Maria. In your book, you also write, courage in Pakistan is often a fatal virtue. So how did your parents reconcile or how did they come to terms with your need to express yourself? And it, for all of my listeners, when you read this book, you will understand that Maria's parents have dedicated their lives to each of their children in expressing their own unique selves. But with Maria, because of the Taliban and because of circumstances, I mean, you had death threats. How how did they reconcile the need for you to be who you are with, with the fear of, you know, potentially losing you? Well, we have very strong faith in Allah, in God, and humanity. And every religion we believe it's about humanity as the same thing comes from God in the core is about humanity. And if you do good, good will come to you. My father, I have seen him. Uh, he, he said, if I do, if I give good to the society, the good will ha God will protect my children and me. So that, that's how he believed in those things. And he never hesitated from uh, speaking for the truth or also told us that, you know, never afraid in life. If that's going to come, it's going to come. But speak the truth, speak the reality. And that's how we go. Uh, that's how we go. And, you know, it's uh, like every day there is a risk for us. Up till now, like my parents, mom, but there is so much love. There's so much for people, love for people uh, that we never held back. Even I would see, I would tell you, uh, there used to be kids, you know, uh, young kids. You know, when there is a season when the animals, uh, like, uh, mating season? Yes. So in that season, you see dogs or, you know, you see uh, a lot of kids will be beating them with, with, uh, with sticks and stoning them to death. And it was so harsh to see and hard to, you know, to see what kind of people, uh, parents who are teaching their kids to beat those dogs to, to death or stone them. And then turtles. And my father always told us to be gentle to animals because anything, if anything that is innocent and you hurt them, it's going to come back to you. God is never going to forgive you. So my, he always taught us to be gentle, to respect the nature the people, and also be open to, to listen to everyone and go everywhere with open heart, with a brain, without any opinion ahead of time. Just listen to everyone, learn, seek the knowledge, understand no one is perfect, but just it's a process to become perfect. You describe, and you mentioned it earlier in the interview as well, you describe how your father would bring home people. He would bring home a heroin addict. He would bring home these different teachers of life to expose you all to different, you know, ways of being or ways that he thought 
you know, you should avoid being. Um, it seems like he found lessons in everyday life. He, he, had, he had a very influence, you know, like uh, since young age, he saw a lot of uh, Hollywood movies. He, uh, he liked Sean Connery, uh, Gregory Peck, Anthony Quinn, Chuck Norris, and then he met the hippies. And then, you know, during that time, he met the hippies and he watched the movies. And then he kind of learned more and more about Western culture, too. And also, he, he had more options to compare, you know, this, the society and the downfall and the uprise, uh, you know. And he had more understanding in that sense. And he realized that, you know, uh, when you have more knowledge, you, have, you can easily compare stuff when you have more options too. So that is the thing. He realized that we are, we are actually stopped in there, the society. Our people, even when the, the water is stopped somewhere, it becomes dirty. The water has to keep moving. Mm. And that is the thing. We have to keep learning. We have to keep learning and keep traveling and understand everything. And the nature, we, you, we are going against the nature. When you are enslaving other human beings and you think that is honor or that is love, that's not right. People are actually afraid of going against the old ancient culture that we are stick in that still. We are, stick in, we are still in, in that uh, culture. And we have to keep the good stuff, which is honor, which is respect. But all those things are used for wrong reasons. Our bravery is considered as who who can uh, you know who can always um, who is always right to die, ready to die, who is always ready to fight. That is our bravery, which is the wrong way of teaching what is the mean, what is, what is bravery. Then you say what is honor, women and land. So you say if someone take uh, someone, you know, attack my land or someone attack my women. Um, if someone see my woman outside, we have taken in a very wrong way. We have to feel honored when we empower women. We have to feel good about our, our bravery should be that, that, you know, we empower women, we fight for peace, we fight for humanity. That is bravery. So we have taken all those things in a very wrong direction. I think we have good values, but used for bad reasons. You tell the story of how your first squash coach said to you, you're playing against your demons and you have many. So that first time you went out on the court, you know, you threw everything into it. And, and that was also the way you were able to win, was to sort of play against your demons. What demons did you fight in writing this memoir? Uh, was it hard to share your story with the world and to bring up all of these memories? Well, trust me, like even 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 if I talk about all those things, I sometimes cannot sleep at night. But it's I think it's very important in a way because uh, I'm the only one who came out of that region into death to in in sports first. I was the first one who started sports, and then you know. Uh, and and all those you know the things that happened. Uh, I'm now in position. I, I I feel that I have so many people uh, with me who are supporting me. When I came to Canada, 
I felt very strong. The people were super supportive, super loving and nice. I didn't feel weaker at all. I thought I'm even stronger. I have even more determination now to bring change. And I, all the experiences I feel that it was from God, nothing bad happened to me or my family, but all those things were just learning, were, were just lessons to me that, you know, I have to help the other girls who are suffering there and they do not have, have a voice or do, they do not, um, or they're silenced. It's very hard to, for them to speak up, but that's what I believe. They are afraid to try even. That is wrong. You have to try. You have to keep trying. When I was confined to my, uh, to my home, I couldn't leave. I was, because of the Taliban threat, I didn't leave hope. I just kept trying. If I felt, if I would have thought that, you know, there's no, uh, uh, trying is no, uh, you know, uh, like, worthy, you know, you don't, I, I, if I felt that, you know, mm-hmm. I shouldn't try because I'm done, I wouldn't be here today. So I crossed the bridge of fear. I kept trying and I never felt and I never left the hand of hope. You know, I, I knew that I'm going to make it. And that should be that kind of determination every girl should have. They should know that the sound, the voice that is coming from inside them, that is the first voice from Allah, from God, that, that go for it. I get, just listen to that voice. And then you have to speak up for that. And that is the whole experience I put it in this book. And I'm explaining these, these things happen to the girls in that society, about the terrorism, why it's breeding there, and how, the, how, it, how difficult it is for women to go outside in that society and why uh, she's afraid. Uh, but I tell you that even I was afraid too. I, it was very hard for me to go out um, to face those men. I, I grew up like one of them. But I felt it so uncomfortable, so insecure that I was, I used to think thousand times before leaving my home. That was my, that was, that was the time when people came to know about me that I'm a girl. But you know what? I, my dad, I remember that thing. My dad took me to the shower market and he, as usual, he took me to the barber shop. I cut my hair very nicely, uh, like like shaved, like almost shaved head. And he bought me a huge earring. And he got it into my one ear. And he said, let's walk like parade in the middle of the shower market. And everybody was just staring at us. That, you know, what's wrong with these people? Like, they were just laughing too and staring at us. And my father said, do not, do not, um, think, you know, uh, don't, don't even pay attention to them. They're just people. They will talk or they will think, but they, you, if you keep your, um, uh, if you keep your eye on your destination, you would get there. But if you fall for them, or, you know, this, um, that people are attacking you or people, you know, what they, what they would think about you, then you would never reach the destination. And that was the thing. In Peshawar market, even I used to work in tracksuit. I had long hair, 
and I had a stick in my hand and I would go in the middle of Peshawar market with a stick and I have punched some guys. I have thrashed some guys with the stick Be- because I'm not one of those weak girls that you can push her and touch her and then you say, well, she is, she has no voice. She cannot say anything to me. She would be afraid. She would go in some corner or, or start walking on the side of the road. No, 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 no. I'm not that person. And that is the thing I want to give want to tell to those girls that you know what do not afraid just find that balance make your character so strong that no man can cross that and find your those hidden um, gifts maria our time is almost up but i have one last question for you um sure you know your memoir it's it's a love letter to your entire family and your father carries books wherever he goes, and your mother, a school principal, she would read children's yes. books to kindergartners when their teachers were too scared to show up themselves. And one day, I want our listeners to hear this, one day she arrived to the school to see that the Taliban had written a warning on the outdoor chalkboard that if anyone went inside the school, they'd be blown up. And so in this incredible act of courage and defiance, she corrected the spelling on the chalkboard, pointing out their ignorance. And then she walked with the children away from the school where it blew up. So words, language, books, they mean everything to your parents. So Maria, I have to ask you, what was it like for your family to hold your story, their family story, in a hardcover book? Uh, trust me, my, I told my mom there's a book. It's called A Different Kind of Daughter. And they're really happy, but they haven't read it yet. Uh, I, it's, it's gonna, uh, I, I'm going to send a book copy to them, too. They're happy that, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring a lot of positive change and it's going to you know give a lot of uh, a lot a, a different direction to the to the story now but they're really happy they know that you know I'm doing good I'm in good hands lots of people kind there good people with me and my I am only taking my dad's vision and my, you know at the moment they haven't read the story yet well I'm sure they will be so proud yeah, but that is everyday life for them. And uh, as you said, the school thing, my mom still goes to school, which is half on the ground. And she every day go there. And she her clothing style is like some woman from a villager, uh, from a uh, from village. And she would go there and she would get to the school in a public transport. And she would Nobody would recognize her that she is some educated woman because of her clothing style. And she would get there and she would assemble the teachers. She would uh, meet all the students and find out that the school is going well and everything. And then we'll come back. But it's everyday risk. She has survived a couple of times from the Taliban attack when they, were, when, when, they were, when they had to hide in the school at night time. All night they were in the school and we were worried that my mom didn't come back. But the next day when she came and all the teachers were actually uh, hiding in the school, but then the next day the teachers also and my mom, they all came back to their homes. So it is, life is like that. 
keeps going on, but you know, um, it's a it's it's a, it's a very happy feeling for them that there is a, the story is written in this book. I'm sure they're happy with that a lot. Will you also describe it? I mean, it seems like they've had the most incredible. It's the most romantic story about your parents and their um, respect for each other. And again, it's just a love story to your entire family. I cannot wait for our listeners to read it. Um, the way you take care of your twin brothers and the way your older brother cares for you and your sister just sounds like the most fabulous woman ever. Um, thank you for introducing us to your entire family within these pages. I can't thank you enough for coming on Atomic Moms. Oh, thank you so much to you guys, everyone, who was uh, just receiving it with so humbleness and kind and so appreciating. I mean, and I believe in uh, peace now even more. I believe in change even more. And I think it's possible. It's 100% possible. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. 